Welcome to another edition of Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders, where each and every day we set out to conquer the villain of self-doubt by having encouraging conversations designed to feed your mind, strengthen your body, nurture your spirit, and grow your tribe. Our special guest today is John Panaccioni, former Army officer with the 82nd Airborne turned tech mogul, (laughs) and he is going to talk about how to successfully start, scale, and exit a tech company, how to take all the good stuff from being a veteran and turn it into being your own CEO, and then the biggest and number one barrier to entry for veteran entrepreneurship today on Signal Fire Radio. Yeah, my lot. Welcome back to another episode of Signal Fire Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Rob Renz. I am joined by my best bud, and for the second week in a row, no Evan Anderson. But I got Matt Mylot here. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm hydrated, and I'm grateful to be sitting next to you, and I also miss Evan. I do too, man. I hope he's doing okay. He's always doing okay. Yeah, yeah. For those of you, if this is your first time joining us on Signal Fire um, my name is Rob Renz, um, entrepreneur, small business owner, Marine Corps veteran. I'm joined by my best bud in the whole wide world, Matt Mylot, also Marine Corps veteran. And the third wheel to our tripod, uh, a gentleman by the name of Evan Anderson, is still in the Army. And so sometimes the job calls and he's just not able to make it on the show. And Matt and I totally get that. So we wish Evan the absolute best and know that he's here with us in spirit. Right, man? Definitely. But at the same time, when he tells me like at a very high level what he's doing currently right now today, yeah. I'm like, dude, that's kind of cool. And he's yeah. doing it all from his fingertips. I know. In from a plaid the- shirt sitting in his living room <laughs> the on the living couch. room of his home yeah. in Fayetteville. Or he's in like Whispering Pines or something. He's, he's, he's in somewhere nicer than Fayetteville, I think. No, no disrespect to anybody that's in Fayetteville. Great city. Great city. You know, Jen and I just went to Pinehurst for the first time um, Couple I know, weekends I was, ago, I actually went to the website yesterday because I came across the picture that you sent of you and the girls when yeah. you guys got to the hotel. Yeah, it's pretty fancy, man. Uh, yeah, dude, have you never been there? No, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I don't know. I, I've gotten probably five or six massages in my life. Really? Yeah, like but, actual massages. But you're pretty bougie. You go to bougie places, like bars and restaurants and clubs and stuff, <laughs> where they play M83 and Naked and Famous and all your favorite. Yeah. Pop EDM music. Very much so. Yeah. Dude, we had a really good time at Pinehurst. Um, and it was it was very much needed. You know, um, it, again, if this is your first time listening to Signal Fire, we as veterans advocate for people chilling the heck out. And so Jen and I, after a just whirlwind of a year in 2020, not that it wasn't for anybody else. It was for us and the rest of the world for the most part. We just needed a long vacation to go get – to go chill out in the woods and, and have a massage or two. Long weekend. Long weekend. <clears throat> Long weekend. Now, it, it did change a little bit because... Oh, that's right. No, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is a lot. So it was we, supposed to be purely adult time. Purely adult time. And um, unfor- in all aspects of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> what? You're, you're, a, you're a happy married couple. Happy married couple, thriving in our 30s, mid-30s. But yeah, we had to bring our two daughters. And one of them is... Uh, turning two this weekend. And then the eldest daughter is going to be six in April. And so nothing says relaxing parent weekend in the woods like a six-year-old and a two-year-old. But your daughters have become the sparkle in the eye of my daughters. Yeah. And they are so stoked to have a Mylot Wren's birthday party day tomorrow. I know. I know. What did you guys get, Madeline? We... <laughs> Because it was a family you have effort. No idea. No, Reagan actually showed me last night. It's a, I don't know. It's a. Maddie's not listening. Is she? No, I don't think she's listening to the episode. This will it's, air after her. It's like anyways. a. Honestly, it's it's kind of like a cap cabbage patch looking. She's gonna doll. love it. She's gonna love it. That's from Ryan and Reagan. She's gonna love it. Well, and I think Ryan and Reagan asked her at one point. She was like, or no, Ryan and Reagan were talking about, it and they're like, you know what? She doesn't have any dolls or something like that. Mind you, she probably does have dolls, but yeah. my daughters have a battalion of dolls all over our house. Yeah. So 
you know. Whatever's bigger than a battalion, Madeline has that. Regiment. Regiment, yeah. Which actually brings up an interesting point because we didn't finish this discussion on the last episode, Matt. I threw it out there, and I guess we probably need Evan in on this, and maybe we'll ask our, our guest, John Panaccioni, about it today. Um, we have been asked by a listener to dub our listenership as either the Signal Fire Battalion or the Signal Fire Regiment. What do you think about that? You said last time, and we didn't really have a lot of conversation about this, you, you don't like it. I can tell by your face you don't no, like it. No, I mean, it. I like it, but I think that one of the central themes to the Signal Fire is trying to appreciating the military structure, but trying to also completely divorce yourself yeah. in every way from it. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it, it Take is what cool. you love about the military, kind of leave the things that you don't. Especially with our, you know, we've had episode after episode of people who weren't really fantastic yeah. leaders in the military. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, our guest today is a fantastic leader from the military, generally by the name of John Panaccioni. Now, you and him have known each other for a little while, right? Oh, man. We go back months. Months? Months. T- tell us the origin. Not as long as you and me, but yeah. months. You and I go back to February. Of a, I mean, we're coming up on a one-year anniversary. We should celebrate. We're going to Pinehurst. We're going to Pinehurst. <laughs> Is that how, how, so you've known John for a couple of months. Yeah. Tell me about him. Tell us about him. Tell our listeners about him. Because he's, I can't wait for this. I, I'm, I'm going to let you say something. Then I'm going to take up this episode. Like on the <clears throat> business w- wisdom side of the conversation that we can have here, Yeah. by far, John is... He's going to bring a lot of like banger value. I think maybe the deepest guest as that we've had as it concerns to business in general. So quick, quick story on John. Um, John was an army officer. I won't steal his entire story. Um, 82nd Airborne. And this is where Evan would say the deuce. You and I don't know anything about I know. the army I know. and their structure or anything. We'll let John talk about that. But when John got out of the military, he started a tech company, Logic Bay, and I talk to regularly on social media guys that want to do the exact same thing and gals that want to do the exact same thing. They, they're getting out and they're like, hey, I, I really want to get into tech. And, and a lot of them are considering doing a startup. I actually just had a conversation with somebody on Clubhouse the other day that has successfully – an Army veteran has successfully built other businesses and has good managers in place and now uh, I guess – this is something we'll talk to John about too. Why do entrepreneurs not stop? <laughs> is that just, a question of the day? Could be. Could be the question of the day. Yeah, we've been failing on that. Well, in we don't weeks. have we don't have Evan here. He's the one who curates the question Rob, of the if day. If he's and, here or not, I need you stepping in. All right, man, you're right. I'm gonna step my game up. Okay. I will not fail you, Matt, on the question of the and day. And one other thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Shout out to Nate Reardon, my neighbor. Um What's up with Nate me? Nate suggested maybe once an episode visiting a acronym from the military yeah, and just explain to people what it is. When Dave Polaris from the Honor Foundation, uh, former recon brother and Marine Raider, he was talking about an MSR in Iraq. Mm-hmm. What's an MSR? Main service road. Okay. Or main service route. Synonymous. I, I say main service road also. Okay. All right. But I think there's value in that. There's it's entertaining a, too. There's going to be a million guys on active duty pinging us like you don't, you forgot. What you, an MSR is. You salty shellbacks. Yeah, because you, you used one in our last episode. Now that I'm thinking about it, ITC. Do you remember what ITC stands for? Because I sure don't. Individual training course. Okay, beautiful. Yep. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was Nate that suggested that? Nate. Yeah. Nate Reardon. Okay. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put it in the hopper. We will try to pull some acronym out of somewhere and throw it at you and see if you can appropriately answer it. Now, bear in mind. Yeah. I have my laptop in front of me. And you I do. Have plenty of, so we, we got stuff to choose from. Um, and this is not from lack of knowledge. This is just from a uh, refresher. That's yeah. why I have my laptop open. So, well, you having your laptop shows great progression in the life cycle of this show. Cause you know, the, the first time we did it. Oh man, back in the day, <laughs> you, didn't you, even have you a remember pe- back that far? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah last month you didn't even have a piece of paper. No. Yeah. All right. We were drinking water <laughs> the whole, the whole show. We we're drinking water. And now, now we got all these fancy yeah, we got, lights. We got and, tech and stopwatches and lights and the cameras died. So this episode won't be available for YouTube. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go check out our website, signalfire.media, where we post all of our previous episodes. And while you are there, we just recently launched our merch line. You can stop and pick up your very own easy hippie tie-dye t-shirt 
all made right here in the great state of North Carolina, and all proceeds from the sales of that T-shirt go to Support Suiting Warriors, which is a nonprofit that Matt and I are very involved with that provides free professional attire to transitioning men and women of the armed forces. And that is a perfect segue because John, after after successfully exiting from Logic Bay, took all of that great experience from being in the Army and being a successful entrepreneur and created a nonprofit called Vet to CEO. Are you familiar with Vet to CEO, Matt, and the work that they do? Fundamentally, yes. Um, I've heard a lot of cool things, and I know that the people who are involved with it are considerable senior influencers in our area. Yeah, previous guest of the show, Rob Campbell's the executive director. This is our second guest in our short lifespan thus far Yeah, from Vet to CEO. That's well, we, a good sign. We get good guests, for starters. And the other thing is, is every single one of our guests, Matt, um, are all right here in, in southeastern North Carolina. Now, we have had people reach out to us on LinkedIn um, and other places saying, hey, I want to come on the show. But we don't do not local guests right now. Correct. Yeah. I mean, soon we'll be flying in the Dalai Lama, <laughs> you know. The and Dalai he, Lama himself is coming in from Tibet. And what is he going to say? Uh, Gunga, Gunga, Galunga. Evan would not understand that reference if he was here. No. No way. Little hamster. Yeah, hamster. little hamster. We miss that little that little scamp. Hey, now I will say, if you are a CSV, uh-huh. a currently serving veteran yep. in the Marine Corps or green side of the Navy, we also have merch that you can wear as part of your camis. You sure can. We got some OD green signal fire. Yep. Like, dude, I couldn't imagine how rad it would have been to wear something like oh that. My running gosh. GT. If somebody as cool as me had created a t-shirt trendsetter that I could wear under my camis that was compliant but and completely had a, not Marine Corps. Yeah. And yeah. had a message as strong as easy hippie. Well, you know, while I'm getting reamed by the first sergeant and old Lance Corporal Renz is sitting there. The only Knowing that the wh- joke's on him because my skivvy shirt says Easy Hippie on it. Very what a, true. What a, and, time, what a time to be alive. Yeah. We, I mean, when I was at Lejeune, we had 60,000, 70,000 Marines and sailors. Yeah. So, gentlemen, ladies of Camp Lejeune, at Our, least, get on SignalFire.media. Check out our SignalFire shirts that are cami compliant per Marpat. And pull the trigger. We do not have enough inventory to cover the entirety of Camp Lejeune, but we'll find a way. Back order us, if you will. And all the proceeds of those t-shirts do go to support Suiting Warriors. So thank you so much in advance for going to SignalFire.media and buying a t-shirt. So yeah, so fundamentally you have an understanding of Vet to CEO. What What is your fundamental understanding of them? <clears throat> it's essentially being um, a channel, a resource, channel and a resource for veterans to... Um, to to basically gain the momentum and the knowledge they need to ultimately be a strong business leader and you know successful in every aspect of the word yeah. on on the side of commerce. And they're doing a great job too. You know, I've been hot and bothered about this for a while. Um, Post World War II era veterans, over forty five percent of them chose small business entrepreneurship. You know why? Because that was the greatest generation ever. Well, yeah, it was the greatest generation ever. Um. And I do, I do understand and recognize that the times were different back then, and a lot more people got into trades, and, and there was a lot of domestic economic rebuilding that needed to take place. And then, you know, you fast forward, though, to post-9-11 veterans, four-ish percent, four-and-a-half percent choose small business ownership and entrepreneurship as their path. Um, and again, before anybody starts jumping on the thread and like, oh, Rob, it was different back then. I know that it was different. Easy hippie. Easy hippie, right. Jeez. Take it easy. But but 4.5% seems too low to me. It really, really does. And I do also, a part of me, a part of me says that the post-9-11 GI Bill, it, you know, it, it, the, the status quo, if you will, the conventional wisdom is get out of the military, use your GI Bill benefits, go to school, and then, and then go to work. And I think that's fantastic. But you don't always have to choose the corporate route. And I think Vet to CEO really supports that message too as well. Um, I've sat in on several of their webinars without them knowing about it. I lurked in the shadows. I didn't want them to know that I was Did there. Evan help you? Yeah. Yeah. He he put like some kind of code in to ping my IP address from somewhere in Kazakhstan yeah, 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 yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, what he, that's what he does. Um, but yeah, we want to talk to, we want to talk to John about the work that he does with Vet to CEO. That's his, that's the way that he gives back 
all that knowledge and experience to the next generation. And then the last thing we'll talk with him about today is I think the biggest barrier to entry for most people, and this isn't this isn't exclusive to the military, this is for anybody that wants to get into small business ownership or entrepreneurship, and that's access to capital. Now, Matt, you and I have watched him in his element talking about accessing capital. All right, hold on. Okay. I'm just putting myself in a CSV currently serving veterans mind that's soon to transition. I didn't have a college education. What is capital? Money. Money. Cash. Okay. All right. Something in the bank to start doing your development of whatever your business idea is. You got to start marketing it. You got to find people to help you get their team, resources, product development. Capital is money. A big chunk of money sitting in the bank so you can get the business going. And that 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 definitely wasn't um, negative on on military people, but I'm just going from my own personal experience. When I was in the military, I I had no idea what capital meant. Um, I thought I was just the main city in every state. So um, yeah, <laughs> thanks for that insight. Uh, we should get into hey, name that capital because I bet you there's a ton that I don't remember. That would actually be a lot of fun. It would. What's well, the ca- what's what's the capital of Oregon? Um, I don't know. Portland. No. Okay. I think it's Eugene. <laughs> I think it's Eugene. <laughs> oh, man. We have fallen off of too many wraps in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we are going to sit down with the co-founder of Fola Capital, the former CEO of Logic Bay and all-around good guy who started Vet to CEO, John Panaccioni, right here on Signal Fire Radio. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Yo, welcome back to Signal Fire Radio. I'm so sorry that our cameras died in here. Normally, we put this on YouTube. And the best thing about this show, other than the great information that our guests give us, is Matt trying to control himself from beating the table and just just drumming all over it when the intro songs come back on. Matt, were you a big Beastie Boys fan back in the day? You know, it's embarrassing to say I was definitely late. And dude, I'm from the Bay Area, California. Yeah. I mean, yeah. mind you, they were East Coasters yeah, originally. Jersey Boys, but right? I, uh, New York, New Jersey. Yeah, I think they were from yeah, like Brooklyn. Potato, potato. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my sister was. Okay. My sister, Katie. Okay. And it, I, I was so disconnected from what was cool and what wasn't. But yeah. looking back, I'm just like, my uncle Mike, he yeah. was hard. He he was a beast. My cousin, Chris. Uncle speak, Mike D? <laughs> no, but I will tell you a funny little um, nuance connection to my family. My cousin, Chris, born and raised in Orange County, California, back in the early 90s, he bounced from California after graduating high school and moved out to Park City, Utah. Okay. And basically, I, I think he lived full-time out there for like two, three, four years. And he basically worked at Snowbird, one of the best ski resorts in the country. Dope. North America. Yeah. And he lived with none other than Adam Yelk, who was one of the Beastie Boys. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I need, I need to get more details about and, it. But and your cousin is Brian Cranston. Breaking, no, 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 no. That's not my cousin. Okay. That's not my cousin. No, it's through marriage. Okay. Don't say they'll be wishing that hate on me. Every <laughs> Um, No, but we are fortunate enough for Brian Cranston to have been married into um, my my family, and um, I've had the good fortune of engaging with him. Look, and we are fortunate enough to have an amazing guest here, a guy from the Jersey, New York area, Mr. John Paniccione, and I'm going to say it in the Italian inflection, not the Americanized version, but John, you can fix it if you want to. Welcome to the show, bud. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, were you a big Beastie Boy fan? No, not really. Really? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, not my kind of music. What's your flavor? You know, I'm like classical, uh, you know, orchestras, stuff like that. Really? No, I'm just kidding. I'm a big ACDC fan. Are you? Oh, Leon. Yeah? Yeah, that kind of stuff. So uh, we, we ask our guests this. You're going out on patrol. You got one song to pick. What's that song going to be? Shot, shot down in flames. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I don't know if that's a good song before you go out on a mission. <laughs> I actually had. Uh, I was in tanks in the first Gulf War, and I, you know, tankers put their Norman Schwarzkopf wire their tanks so you can listen through the CVC as you're rolling along, yeah. and that's the song we would play, an ACDC track. Yeah. I love it, yeah. dude. Hell yeah! So, question: Was that M60s or was that Abrams? 
M1s. Not even. Uh, M551 Sheridans from the Vietnam era because they're the only ones light enough to drop out of airplanes. So the 82nd was the only battalion in the entire military that had Sheridan. Now, is this something that crewmen would be occupying when it was punched out of the back of an aircraft? Nope. Usually we jumped out of the same bird as you know, the infantry and everybody else, like everybody else, we'd have to find the damn things on the ground. Uh, but, but we did jump out behind them many times, but tactically that's not the best thing to the do. Tank, the tank does go first, right? And then yeah, you that's don't usually wanna... the best order, <laughs> yeah. tank. And then we jump Human... over Marines, we'd have to draw that out and say, yeah. don't stand on this side of the tank. Let that go first Dude, and go out behind it. No lie. Yeah. In the invasion of Iraq, more than one occasion. Yeah. I took cover behind an M1 Abrams, and it was a very comforting feeling. Well, yeah. I qualified on the M1 when I had to go through you know, armor school. That was awesome. It's Man, what, awesome a, what a sexy tank that yeah. is. You're a big dude. Yeah. You, you chose to be a tanker? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Was it uncomfortable in there, a man of your size? Nah, you know, it, it, yeah, especially in a Sheridan, which yeah. is very small. And uh, I get used to it. Yeah. I don't even know what a Sheridan is. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, Google, Google it. it. Google it real quick. Thank God we have Google now, and we're more prepared with Thank these you, shows. Because as is evident, if you caught us coming into the break, I didn't know <laughs> what the capital of Oregon was. So, Oh, nor did I. And yeah. let's revisit that. Okay. What did I say? Um, you said you Eugene. You said Eugene. Eugene. Yeah. And yeah, I said, home of the ducks. I said Portland, which was so wrong. Way wrong. Yeah. It's Salem, Oregon. Wow. Yeah, never even heard of it. Don't even think it exists. Yeah. Well, thank God we have somebody way smarter. Here it's called this. Oh, I thought you were talking about Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, Google. And, uh, you know, the guy who basically invented Google, uh, John. Is that Panaccioni? Yeah. Logic uh, Bay, bro. Let's I'm not going to take credit for that one. No. <laughs> you, if only you could, right? You wouldn't be or here. Or blame for that one us. these days. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. You and Wait. Al Gore. <laughs> yeah, right? The internet, yeah. You you started a company called Logic Bay after you got out of the army. What what was what was that all about? How yeah, did, tell it, like just give us that journey from tanker to to tech startup. Well, actually, I heard you uh earlier. I, it was actually a 10-year span between myself getting out of the army and starting Logic Bay. So, I worked for the man for a while like everybody else does. And uh you know, it didn't take long, like most veterans, after, you know, about six months working for the man, you, you start want to, excuse me, but choke people around you, and, you know, you, you realize you're different. And so I went through that like a lot of veterans go through, you know. And, I, you know, the companies I work for were very good for me. And, um, and John, don't be afraid to say choke. This is Signal Fire Radio. Choke people yeah. away. Just choke them. <laughs> All right. That's not on the list of st- stuff you told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's compliant. Um, the FCC. You know, I went through the same transition a lot of guys do, but there was nobody at the gate waiting to show me different paths to take like there are today, and I'm sure we'll get into that. So it was like, all right, get out, get a job. I mean, that was your only route you took. So that's the route I took. And uh, I worked for this insurance company, started getting in the technology then, and um, and then jumped ship and worked for another small company as a sales and marketing guy. And then it took me about I read a few books to change my life we can get into. And then I realized, you know what? I learned a lot of stuff in the army. Um, even though I jumped out of planes with tanks, <laughs> I, you know, what was second nature to me, um, you know, I had the raw material and the confidence to say, I, I can start my own business. You know, instead of complaining about working for the man, I, I can be the man, you know, and, and, and try to do my own thing. So that's kind of what I took, but it took me 10 years. And the good news is this year, nowadays it, it's that, 10 years has shrunk down. What were the two books? Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. He wrote um, ah, yes. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. So it's kind of a little higher level, same principle. But I read that book and I put it down. I said, oh, I got to go down that road. Matt Matt has famously read, read, what, like 12 books in your life, I think, is the number we stumbled upon. It's such a sensitive point. Why do you always bring it up? I. I am trying to be that person. Yeah. Everybody around me reads a ton of books and I'm getting there. You get a lot of the knowledge that you need though from this show. Cause like we got guys like John who read real high end stuff and have tons of licenses and, and he can give us the cliff notes. Yeah. 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 Like, that's why I'm here. Yeah. That's how we made it through high school and college was, was the cliff notes. Yeah. So 
10 years working for the man. I think this might be something interesting to have a conversation about. Um, cause I did the same thing before I decided to go into business for myself. Was that time in your opinion wasted? No, uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about technology that I ended up starting a business around. I had very good people that weren't veterans, which is a big thing. We talk about a vet CEO now veterans need other people that weren't veterans <laughs> to help them transition. So I had a lot of great, uh, folks that helped me with that and who I'm still close to. You know, so I don't, I have no regrets. It's just the time it took for me to have the light bulb go to go off to say my military experience really gave me the raw material to be a entrepreneur was 10 years. And, you know, I, I, I kind of wish I did it earlier. That's the only regret I have. What, but, uh, what was that, that moment of clarity for you? How did, what did that look like? Well, you know, I think we're all kind of cut from the same mold as veterans. You're like, don't complain about it. Just if, if you don't like something, take action and fix it. <laughs> so I was you know, pushing, I was late thirties and, um, I, I knew I didn't want to wait too much longer. And I had a family by then and, and, you know, the, the conditions were right. And I, I took the leap. Uh, but I had the confidence by then I had had enough civilian experience to know that, you know, I had, I had something they didn't have and not to be arrogant. You yeah. know, I just had different decision-making skills, management skills and planning skills and project management skills. I got out of the military and I knew that had value if I was to start my own business. My chance of failure, I didn't, I didn't feel like I would fail if I could just jump into the fray and do it. Right. What was that market gap that you saw when you were like, yeah, Logic Bay is going to fill this, this void? Well, I actually started a company called KLI. Um, so long story short, uh, I took a job as a sales VP. I, I, I encourage everybody who wants to get into entrepreneurship, before you do, get a job as a salesperson because <laughs> that is the most important function in business. And, um, someone told me that once, uh, somebody I respect, and I actually took a job as a sales VP and I started uh, one week before nine 11. So that not, not good timing there, but that was actually good in retrospect from a sales position. Cause it, it was extremely challenging to sell during that period of time. And, uh, you know, lesser of many other things going on. I don't mean to demean the day, but, sure. um, it was, uh, very challenging and i was hired not only to sell but pump up sales so i can sell the company with the management team so the board brought me in to do that so actually a year later we sold the company to uh, an offshore company and i had sold a three million dollar government contract linked to homeland security funds and the government wasn't going to let the new buyer take that contract because they were offshore they weren't a u.s company so even though i was ready then and I hadn't thought about starting a company, but a situation fell into my lap where I could take that contract with the permission of the board. They could waive some severance and in return, let me take that contract. And I started the company with like five or six handpicked people uh, in 2003. And then uh, we raised capital that year, which is a whole other story I'm sure yeah, we'll get we'll, into. We'll get to that. And then with most of that capital, we bought Logic Bay uh, in 2004. So uh, you said something, and then we want to dig a little bit deeper into the rest of your story. You you took a sales job because every business as a function needs sales. The The first book that I read that changed my life was Nothing Happens Until Somebody Sells Something. Yeah. And I have taken that with me everywhere because it's so true. And I don't believe that sales is the pejorative that people, you know, look at or, or, or the you know, what, what – pop culture has said that sales is. I believe that sales is the transfer of my passion onto you that causes you to take action. As an entrepreneur, how important is that function? Expand upon that a little bit more, if you will. Well, it, it's very important. And I like to say, um, you know, you, when you walk into a books, bookstore, if you ever do that these days anymore or pre-COVID, um, you know, they got two, they have a, a negotiation book section and then they have a sales book section. And I, the two are so closely related. <laughs> Yep. I don't know why they're different. And yeah. you know, another book that changed my life was called Start With No. And uh, both those books, Robert Kiyosaki's a veteran, the guy that wrote Jim Camp wrote Start With No. It's like the opposite of getting the yes, Yeah. which is what everybody tells you to read. Yeah. Doesn't work, in my opinion. <laughs> Does not work. It's academic. I'm sorry. Doesn't work. And the real life Start With No works. And there's a whole psychology around that. And that book made me a, 
a successful salesperson because I used, it's a negotiation when you're selling something, you know, you're trying to exchange money for something you have, you're negotiating. So all this sizzle stuff about sales, I think is, uh, you know, uh, not worth it. But anyway, um, I think it's important that people learn that because it's the most important function in business. And if you're going to lead a business, you got to show that you can sell stuff. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't checked that block, you know, if you're going to build a team and, and be in charge and build a team, people need to know that you, you did it and you're willing to do it. And you know, it's, if you, if that doesn't happen, nothing else happens. So if you're going to lead a team that has to do that, you should do it. So is this a lot of what I would get if I went to vet to CEO? This yeah. is the kind of in-depth, like tactics training that you guys deliver as part of that program. Yeah. We say a lot of cringing things like I'll probably <laughs> say here in the next hour, like, like nails on a chalkboard stuff, but it's reality. Yeah. You know, we, we try to give people, you know, the unvarnished truth about like what we're talking about now, about the different disciplines required. We actually map the curriculum to the op board format, you know, and uh, you know, military guys kind of are familiar with that. So we actually start with marketing and we talk about marketing and sales. It's kind of like situation and intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance analogy there, you know? Uh, but yeah, we, we talk about the real, the real elements of business and it's taught by, um, veteran business owners and all our guest speaker bureau. They're all most 99% of them are veterans who are entrepreneurs as well. What do you, what do you find, uh, from the folks that go through vet to CEO, the, the real, and I, hate that I'm even using this term, but it's the only one that I could come up with the, the real skill bridge, um, challenges for, I jumped out of airplanes with tanks to, I want to own an HVAC company or I really into welding. What it like, what is the, what's that number one thing that you find that the military community lacks? Yeah, that's a good question. I think they lack the connection between their service and being successful in business. And the more high speed you are, like if you're the more sub, disconnected you are, is that the, no, the, the, the bigger that gap seems like yeah. 30 years ago, as we sit here, I was, I was thinking about this recently, you know, I was in the desert and I was thinking, I never forget sitting there in a patch of sand saying, I wonder what I'm going to do in 10 years. What, what the hell am I going to do? I'm sitting here, you know, in a, in the desert next to a tank what civilian equivalent is there waiting for me <laughs> yeah. right car sales shepherd <laughs> but on the other hand if if you're in and i don't mean to be demeaning in any way but if you're in supply or logistics in the military or finance you know there is some civilian analogy so what we found is most of the guys that are combat arms or you know special ops guys find that to be the greatest uh, stretch but we would tell you is the reverse is true. You you probably have experiences that are so well honed that make you ready to be an entrepreneur. You don't even realize it. So that's the frustrating thing. And that's what we try to get vet to CEO and the whole program to really get people to appreciate quickly that they have the means by which uh, the, they have the raw material to be successful. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I think it was Rob Campbell who, who connected me with a guy out in Raleigh and I had like an hour long phone call with him. And I didn't mean for it to go an hour. It was like, you know, one of those 10 to 15 minute, hey, let me pick your brain, get to know each other things. And he brought up a point that I thought was incredibly relevant. Um, and he said he was a first lieutenant, battle Fallujah, just got dropped in. Um, and he was like, I used more entrepreneurial skill in that moment than I ever thought possible. And he didn't realize it, of course, until he was an entrepreneur. So what is... Do you agree with that? Like that, does that connection hold? That's a great point. And uh, I like to tell this story, you know, I was in a different generation than you guys, but you know, when we first went to Saudi Arabia, I was part of the first DRB to get alerted. Hussein attacked on the second. And John, what is DRB? Yeah. The acronym of the day. Division DRB. ready brigade oh, of the 82nd. Steel trap. The derb. The derb. So, uh, Hussein attacked Iraq on the second. Um, my, I'm going to show my age. My pager went off on the sixth, <laughs> and I was in Saudi Arabia on the ninth. Okay, before the Marines, by the way, Google it. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know, the richest country in the world 
throwing the military halfway around the world at no notice. We didn't even have water or food enough. There were guys dropping left and right, and we go, and we never trained in the desert. Like it was a joke. They'd never send the 82nd to the desert. Ha ha ha. And there we were, right? And we didn't even have enough fuel. We didn't have uniforms. We had green uniforms, right? So my point is we had to make do with what we had. Right. And we were ready to accept the Iraqi invasion and, and not to a man. No one didn't think that we couldn't win, right? And uh you know, that, that's kind of the spirit you experience in the military, and I'm sure everybody has their own story, their own version of that, right? Even though you, you never have enough resources to get the job done, but you figure out a way. And World War II, paratroopers in World War II, you heard all those stories, right? You got to figure out how to get it done. And it's that mentality that you can't put a price tag on, and the military is the only place, really. Sports teams might be a close second, but where you have that duress and you got to deal with the resources you have and get the job done at all costs yeah, hold that thought because we're going to take a quick break here but on the back end we're going to talk about the resources required to turn military experience into business and how that relates to capital and what you do now it's a fantastic segue don't go anywhere we will be right back in just a few minutes with john panaccioni right here on signal fire radio welcome back to signal fire radio ladies and gentlemen uh if you are a regular listener of the show you know that when that song is on. It puts Matt in the absolute happiest of places, and he scolds me. He does not let me move on until there's this little breakdown thing that he does with his hands, and it's just a thing of beauty. Matt, you, you're you a real charm, buddy. Dude, you light up when you hear that song. You don't know it. No, I like this song, too. Yeah, yeah. No, but I feel like you. it's more than like. It's like it... It's, uh, what's the word? Poignant. Yeah. It invokes an emotional response. It does evoke an emotional response. It does. I just don't, I deflect, you know, I don't want people to know that I like that song as much as I do. And that's why I, but you, you know. always encourage me to embrace the me. I do. And that, that's you, Rob. Be genuinely, authentically you. If you like flaws Lady and goofiness and all. If you like Lady Gaga. Yeah. You, I mean, own it. I do. There is one song that I've been, the, I bow down to pray. That one's been in my head for, Wait. is that Lady Gaga? Sounds Madonna-esque. No. Google it. It's no. Stephanie. This is why we need Evan here. To, I know to 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 mediate. No, no, no. Evan doesn't know what I know. Yeah. Say the lyrics again. It's like I bow down to pray to make the world seem better. Lord, show me the way. Oh, Evan would be losing his mind right now. Either you're a complete idiot, or, <laughs> or I'm a complete idiot, or I'm a complete idiot. Yeah. Or my complete idiot again. Who is not an idiot is our guest and good friend John Panaccioni. Uh, are, what, what, Am I going to have to sing? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Got it. What is your title with Fola? Partner. Uh, partner. Okay. Yeah. So partner, Fola Capital, former CEO of Logic, Logic Bay, Bay yeah. and then just co-founder of, of Vet to CEO. My title there is great one. Great. <laughs> what is what is Campbell's then? Lesser of great Lesser one. Lesser of yeah. great one. <laughs> Person who gets great told. one. Great one minus one. <laughs> Oh man, I love it. Well, so as we were coming out of the break and we talked about resources and, and kind of comparing that to your experience going into the first Gulf war. Um, and am I right in saying that the biggest barrier to entry for most people, uh, veteran or not getting into small business is access to capital or is there something else? Yeah. I, I, at the end of the day, it's access to capital. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, the other things can be taught. You can teach business skills and stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't have capital, even if you're successful, you need capital. I can get into that. So you have to have a plan to get to have capital to fuel a business. And there's a whole lots of unknowns there that scare people, rightly so, because a lot of it's been a big secret forever. But, um, you know, you can learn the ins and outs of that and, you know, with that knowledge, be successful. So how, how is FOLA addressing that? Well, we're, uh, the Jobs Act of 2012 made it legal to, um, under certain exemptions from SEC rules, to raise capital from the community, All right? So for the first time since 1934, really, um, anybody can invest in a private business, believe it or not. Only somebody called accredited investors, you can Google that, uh, you know, which are basically rich people or people with net worth of a million dollars or more were legally allowed to um invest in private businesses, the Jobs Act changed all that. Uh, so it really opened up a whole 
reservoir of available capital in the community around us um, from people that now can choose to support a local business that they uh, want to support financially. Why do you think that was? It took, it took the Jobs Act to open it up to people with a net worth under a million. Well, 2008 was the big debacle you know, in the economy. Mm-hmm. And Dodd-Frank law came into being. So the net effect of 2008 for small business was banking regulations got tighter. Uh, bank reserves had to be much richer than before, which meant it, it tightened up their lending. There are half as many community banks today as there were prior to 2008. So a lot of banks went away because of regulatory requirements. And then investors actually stopped investing in new things and kept whatever capital they had to support the businesses they already invested in. So when you put those two things together in 2008, capital kind of dried up for small business big time. And the government actually did its job. You know, it gets a bad rap for a lot of things. But Congress got together and started thinking about you know, what became the Jobs Act and, and providing new rules and laws that allow people to raise capital using modern techniques and technology like the Internet to uh, facilitate the uh, formation of capital. And, they, and the result was four years later, after 08, the Jobs Act. And then it took four years for rules to be put in place to, um, you know, put, it, put the programs in place. So it really has only been around since 2016. So how is that? How is that different? Um, you know, explain explain what that means to to me. Or actually, I know what it means. Explain it to Matt. <laughs> well, you have a whiteboard. I'll, I'll have yeah. to draw pictures um, <laughs> with crayons, preferably with crayons. Yeah. Well, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. at the highest level, there's really three large buckets that people think about when they think about getting cash for money uh, for their business. The first one is grants, and um, you know, grants are great, but I, I like to say it's like winning a tank of gas. Uh, you know, you win a grant, great. Everybody, you know, take a picture with the check and all that and, and then put it to good use. But eventually you're going to run out of that. You need another grant <laughs> or you need, you're back to square one, right? The second one is banks and lending. Everybody thinks they can go down to the bank and get a loan. Um, that's not true. It's very difficult for a lot of reasons, which we probably don't have time to talk about. And then there's the investor bucket, which is extremely difficult and there's a lot of misinformation around how easy it is to get money. Money. We watch Shark Tank and think we can all do that. Right. And um, so those are your three buckets. Um, investment crowdfunding and the, the, the programs we're talking about that came out of the Jobs Act is really a fourth bucket now that has a lot of new capital available now because it's coming from people that weren't allowed to invest before the Jobs Act was passed. So it's like a new fourth bucket of capital that um, small business owners and entrepreneurs can think about accessing for their business. So, so how does it work then? Well, you have to, there are regulatory requirements from the SEC and we help people with those. Um, we're a, a SEC registered and broker dealer and we're a member of FINRA, so we're regulated. So we help companies uh, pick which program is best. There's like five different programs. The biggest one is Regulation CF, stands for crowdfunding. Uh, that's the most popular one. You can raise up to $1,070,000 today under Reg CF. Not bad. But with some enhancements that are supposed to come online in the middle of March, assuming they don't get stopped, um, that million is going up to $5 million, So we're real excited about that. And, uh, you know, you, you have to file some documents. You have to put a business plan together. You have to have a sound basis for your security you actually design your your offering what you're offering the public to invest in and uh that has to make sense and that has to be done correctly and we help with that and then you you file the necessary paperwork with the right people like us or someone like us that's in this business and you you're good to go you can go to the public and see if anybody wants to write a check now i'm sure you've you've done this with uh, this is part of the vet to ceo program I'm going to assume writing a business plan is a piece of it. No, we, we actually um, tell people they should work on a business canvas, which is like a precursor to a business plan. Um, so, so that's really what we think you can actually accomplish in six weeks that we're with people okay. as, a, as a canvas. Okay. So, so I get through vet to CEO and then I come to you and I say, John, I want to work with you to, to fund this idea. What, what maketh a good business plan? Cause I get asked all the time. Hey man, I want to do my own thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
you know, it's like military planning. The what happens to all military plans once you cross the line of departure? They dissolve, right? <laughs> and but a new one, a new one emerges. Yeah, right. They always, you know, you always got to wing it and you know accomplish the mission along the way. But business planning is similar. But it's the act of planning and what you get out of the process of planning. That's the valuable part. Just like in the military, it's the rehearsals and the planning. So when things don't go your way, you know you've kind of you're better prepared to make decisions that are give you the best opportunity for success. So business planning is the same thing, right? So a lot of people really don't want to write a business plan. They get all jacked about their idea and they want to go straight and start selling and put up their website and get their business card and call themselves an entrepreneur. And that's like you know crack um you know i'm a business person because i have a website and a business card no you're not you don't have a plan i'm a ceo of a company of one (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i like to say uh kind of a bad joke i come up with you know the difference between uh um when you have a when you think you're an entrepreneur and you have no market you really have a hobby you know you're the only one that thinks your idea is cool that's called a hobby you know that's called a hobby (laughs) go keep doing it and i live that every day john (laughs) don't laugh at it (laughs) (laughs) You know, kind of like being a radio host, you know, sometimes without an audience, you know, it's just yeah. a good hobby, yeah. but not present company excluded. Yeah, of course, talking but. into a can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we have an extremely wide Huge. listening base. I hear we're the fastest growing show in Wilmington, actually. I know. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be here if you weren't. But uh, no, you know what I'm saying? It's the, it, it's the act of planning that people don't want to commit to. And it's just like, you know, anything you guys did in the military downrange you know it's like oh we got to do this in a real environment you want to plan anything nah we'll just wing it you know you'd never hear that so business is the same thing you got to go through a planning process to be prepared and a lot of people don't want to do that and you're oh go ahead matt yeah so how do you suggest somebody so if we take your average veteran that just transitioned or is transitioning got has this fabulous business idea for somebody that doesn't have training or education in building a business plan, like what can they do? Like what would be the greatest resource for them to reach out to? Us, but I would, (laughs) I'd like to use that great question and bring up a very important point. Um, Being an entrepreneur is one of the loneliest things you can do in life, right? It's, there are lonely days. Everybody's yanking at you. Uh, You know, there's no one else in your position and you got to make all the decisions and it's a lonely, lonely world. And I often ask veterans, think about any time in the military from the day you showed up on day one through any missions you've been through, were you ever alone? The answer is no. You know, there's no Rambos in the military, right? Everything we do, even in basic training or whatever, you got a buddy, right? You don't do anything. I'll keep it at that. You don't do anything. (laughs) You guys went camping together. You know, you were talking about that in Pinehurst and all that groping and cabbage patch style stuff I had to sit through and listen to. But even you today, you guys don't do anything alone, right? No, we don't. But to think to be an entrepreneur is very lonely. So it's actually, we don't want to dissuade people from being entrepreneurs. I want to answer your question now. You know, you should think about the two other paths that we like to talk about at the CEO. One path is buy an existing business. We're used to wearing that coat as military people. When you get promoted, they never keep you in the same unit, right? They go, okay, you're an E5 now. You know, there's your squad or whatever, right? There's your fire team. It's different people. And your job is to make that unit better than when you found it, right? That's like buying an existing business. So that feels very comfortable for veterans, mm-hmm. right? And the other one is franchising. You know, franchising, they hand you a book. It's an SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. Ooh, you got Ooh. it. They've already done the marketing, which is the hard part yeah. with, a, with a business. You're, already, you're buying a brand, which is the hardest thing to build in a business. So you're kind of buying a business in a box, and you execute against the plan. That feels normal to us, too, as military, right? So what we tell people to answer your question is don't just look at entrepreneurship think about small business ownership and there's actually three paths to get there what's the difference between those two things john an entrepreneur and a small business owner good you know good question entrepreneurship means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and it's kind of uh, a a tag given to people that sounds cool i'm an entrepreneur um but and i you know but being a small business owner just changes your whole perspective right being a small business owner means I could buy an existing business or I could buy a franchise. That makes me a small business owner. 
entrepreneurship is just one path to being a small business owner. And in my definition of it, that's when you start something up from scratch. Right. Um, but it gets all the, it gets all the glory, you know, all these events you go to, um, even bunker labs events and stuff. It's all about the startup right. with nothing wrong with that, but veterans should get exposure to the other two paths. And that's what we do at vet the CEO because those, those two paths are more familiar to us as veterans. Do you think that shrinks the divide that we, we talked about earlier, the 45% of post-World War II veterans that choose small business ownership to four and a half percent today? Is that, is that a prescription it might be. I think we need to, uh, as a nation, expose people more to those two paths, you know, and uh, that might change the metrics on that. Yeah, I think we were talking about that during the break. Um, I think that another big thing from that generation, which my father was in, by the way, when, when guys got out after World War II, man, everyone was a veteran. Yeah. I mean, if you even Old if you country. went to work for the man, right? Um, everybody at work was a veteran, right? Now we walk around and like when we see each other in the street, we're like, oh, there he is. And we <laughs> hug each other, right? It's But everybody was a veteran. So if you started a business back then, you know, it was no big deal being a veteran. Yeah. And um, I think it was maybe in some ways more natural for people to have the confidence to start something because everybody around them was their buddy. And yeah. You had that fabric across the country. That built-in yeah. market that you talk about. you know, Like what we're doing in Wilmington yeah. right now, yeah. right, with these meetings we go to. It's yeah. that at, at scale, if yeah. you think yeah. about it. Hell yeah. Well, John, we got about a minute and a half left. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, just go to folacapital.com, check us out, leave an inquiry there. They can reach me there or on LinkedIn. You did write the business plan before you put the website out, right, for yeah. Fola? We did actually. You did we did actually. Yeah. <laughs> I would figure at this point you kind of know what you're Put doing. Me on the spot here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just want to make sure you practice what you preach, brother. <laughs> and Fola spelling Fox Oscar Lima Lima Alpha. That's very good phonetic spelling, wow. and that's that comes. That's a anagram of all of us, right? Right. It's yeah. Italian for crowd. Is it? Yeah. Oh. You didn't even know that, Paisan. You're a fake Italian. I am. A I fake didn't think Italian. of that. I, I got to say that, or my partner will kill me. But I, I wish I did. That's but. all right. We'll we'll. We'll give you credit for it. Thanks. Yeah. But shout out to Clem. He probably helped hey, out on a little bit too. He nailed it. He did. That's his idea. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for us on this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Huge special thank you to our guest, John Panaccioni of Fola Capital, and to my very good buddy, Matt Mylot. Dude, thanks for being here as always. Thank you, brother. And to our other, the third leg of the tripod, Evan Anderson, who is out keeping this world safe and this country free buddy we miss you we will see you very very soon and to each and every one of you out there listening to this go be a signal fire in your community today we'll talk to you next week